Welcome back to the Bite Me podcast. My name is Jono. I'm from Bite Me Nutrition, where we make food work for you, not against you. Today, we're going to be talking about soy, which I'm sure no one's heard anything controversial about whatsoever. But just in case you have, I thought it would be really good to go through um, probably the three biggest topics that I feel soy comes up a lot in uh, and talk about its influence on those things, give you the science so you can make the decision around whether or not or how you want to include soy in your diet. Of those three areas, I would say uh, reproductive slash fertility nutrition, um, as well as the impact on sex hormones, but I guess more related to say body composition, you know, testosterone, estrogen affecting muscle gain and fat loss. Uh, those Fertility and then body composition are probably the two biggest ones, as well as whether it decreases or increases your risk of cancer. So we're going to go through, you know, reproductive hormones, reproductive health. Uh, we're going to go through cancer and we're going to go through uh, soy's impact on body composition. Soy is a really high quality plant-based protein. And what we mean by high quality, essentially, it just means it's got all of the essential amino acids in a reasonable amount. To be honest, that's not super important if you're eating a wide variety of plant-based proteins, but it's nice to know about soy. Uh, soy also is quite high, not in not every single soy product, but lots of soy products are quite high in various other nutrients, particularly things like fiber or iron. Um, some soy products are really high in calcium, you know, so it's not just about the protein. There, there's some other great nutrients there as well. Um, but the controversy comes from the fact that it's also quite high in these isoflavones. And, and isoflavones, don't be put off by the name, is just a, a compound that the plant has created to it basically it gives the plant its color. Um, it's also involved in lots of cell signaling. And um, I, I can't remember. I'm not a botanist, but I know that <laughs> isoflavones don't just give a plant their color. There's tons of different roles that they play in that plant. So important for the plant. But for us, um, the reason why these things can be contentious is we they're known as phytoestrogens. And the reason they're known as phytoestrogens is because they can have estrogen-mimicking effects. And so what that means is estrogen is a hormone in the human body, um, and it looks like these phytoestrogens that we get from soy can also trigger things that estrogen might trigger. So I guess the main concern comes from if we have normal amounts of estrogen, but then on top of that, we layer heaps of phytoestrogens, will we get these adverse effects that would be similar to having abnormally high levels of estrogen, which, you know, for almost everybody is, is not ideal. Um, and so that's largely where the contention around soy comes from. If you haven't listened to the MSG podcast, ouch please go and do that afterwards. Um, but if you have, you might remember what can often happen is taking a food or a component of a food um, and testing it experimentally in very high doses, doses that don't reflect how it's typically consumed by human beings, uh, and also delivered in a route that is not how we would typically consume it. So rather than, you know, administering soy orally, uh, they might do much larger doses of these phytoestrogens and they might do it via like IV, so you know, intravenously straight into the blood. Um, and so always really important to look at that. There is, similar to MSG, some scary mechanistic data 
um, out there or some scary data in mice where they have given mice, again, whose metabolisms, metabolisms are quite different to our own, and they've given them quite high doses of phytoestrogens and they've given them these doses kind of bypassing our stomach, small intestine, large intestine, so ignoring any impact that digestion could have on them, which is kind of important. So ignoring that is, in my opinion, not the best move. Um, so if you are coming across really scary studies around soy, that's typically why. I'll dive into reproductive health first. I feel like that's the area where soy comes up the most. Um, this is actually kind of how the whole phytoestrogen mimicking estrogen mimicking effects of these isoflavones was discovered um I, I think it was in the 30s or the 40s there was actually uh, a flock of sheep in western australia that were having uh different differing birth rates um and they were trying to figure out why and it turned out they were um grazing on a, a clover that was really 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 high in these phytoestrogens and that caused people to um you know look further and kind of got us to where we are today so I want to preface everything I'm about to say with, unfortunately, um, particularly for fertility, good long-term specific human data doesn't really exist, which is difficult. It means we do have to make inferences from observational data. We need to look at big groups of people and see that the people that eat more soy, do they have increased or decreased risks of certain things? Um, and whilst that can be helpful, it doesn't always necessarily guarantee that yes it was the soy causing that there's so many other things that could be causing that we can still take mechanistic data into account we can use statistical analysis to remove other variables and we can do lots of well not me i suck at stats but people much better at stats can do some uh fancy stat stuff to say kind of remove okay was the increase in risk of that cancer due to the soy or was it because that person smoked or was it because that person was sedentary and so we can get some decent data out of observational studies but in terms of having really crystal clear solid data i wouldn't say we're quite there yet when looking at female reproductive health again looking at some observational data there are some that show there could be potential impacts on uh, birth rates, lowering birth rates, but a lot of these populations of people were coming from people um, who were struggling with fertility, so couples that were undergoing IVF. Um, and so there's definitely that variable added there. And then on the flip side of the coin, there's actually some studies showing that people with higher rates of soy consumption undergoing IVF had better results because of that. Okay. Um, so, and, and in fact, probably the, the best quality starter we have best quality study we have there was a big meta-analysis done which is basically a study that takes a bunch of studies pools their data uh, and then kind of re-statistically analyzes that data with much a much larger pool of people theoretically and most of the time finding being able to find better quality findings so that found that at best there was no impact sorry that's not what i mean at worst, there was no impact on fertility. At best, there was actually a slightly positive impact on fertility. So again, we are sort of extrapolating this from, from observational data, but plenty of people have extrapolated far more from far less. So moving into male fertility, 
simply appears to be no real impact. And I know that this is, I mean, I, I'm a male interested in building muscle. So I guess a bit of bias there. Uh, and that's the number one thing. Oh, don't, guys shouldn't eat soy. It's going to feminize them, whatever the heck that even means. And it's going to, you know, blunt your ability to gain muscle. It's going to lower your testosterone. It's going to increase your estrogen, blah, 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 blah. The reality is there's no data in humans to back that up. So if you're a guy, or if, if you're someone interested in building muscle, um, soy does not impact your ability to do that. If anything, I would argue it's a really good thing to add because as we mentioned earlier, it's a really high quality source of protein. High quality protein is really great for supporting muscle growth when paired with a few other things. So the male data around its impact on muscle building, rates of fertility, even just testosterone levels, um, that doesn't show that there's any impact. And in some of these studies, some of these males were having very high uh, isoflavone, uh, so very high intakes of soy, you know, and soy products that were particularly high in these isoflavones, these phytoestrogens. So um, it's not just, uh, oh, we maybe need to check higher doses. These doses were were pretty crazy high, which good caveat or good uh, segue there is a case study, which gets thrown around a lot, uh, of a male who developed uh, gynecomastia, or I don't know if it was quite that, or at least uh, like enlarged breast tissue um, from his soy consumption, but he was drinking three liters of soy milk a day, which is so far above and beyond what we would recommend as a normal soy intake. So if you're concerned, don't drink three liters of soy milk a day. Anyway. We're going to talk about cancer now. Uh, so again, fairly straight up and down here. There's no evidence to suggest that soy increases cancer risk of anything. If anything, it actually might reduce your risk of particularly breast and prostate cancer. Those are the ones that are quite closely linked with you know, estrogen and testosterone. Um, and so those are the ones that often come up when we're talking about soy's risk of cancer. But yeah, like I said, if we take the body of evidence as a whole, uh, again, Worst case scenario, soy does nothing. Best case scenario, it may actually reduce your risk of these things. So look, I'm not saying, hey, everyone should eat soy to reduce your risk of these things. The evidence, the strength of the evidence isn't there, at least enough for me to make such a strong statement, but saying like all scientists do, so we you can't nail us down. Um, it suggests that it may reduce your risk of cancers, but I'm pretty comfortable saying that based on the studies that we've got so far. Um, I've already gone through body comp, but there was a very specific study that showed um, the effect of consuming soy protein versus consuming animal protein uh, when you take total daily calories, proper training into account, had no impact uh, on the muscle built in that. So again, even if we're ignoring all of the phytoestrogen things and we're just looking at the the quality and the impact of soy protein in your diet it appears to be no different to normal protein as long as you've ticked everything off so one thing we should talk about is servings of soy per day right um and ser a serving of soy kind of refers to its isoflavone content its phytoestrogen content so for example a serving of soy we would say is maybe like 250 mils of soy milk or uh, 100 grams of tofu, 35 grams of textured vegetable protein. Each of those is going to be providing you with 
oh, I should have done this earlier. I think it's, it's going to be providing you with about 20 milligrams of phytoestrogens, right? Um, and with all the studies that we've looked at, the high, like even the higher end of 100 milligrams of isoflavones, of 100 milligrams of phytoestrogens per day, we haven't seen any negative effects. So if you're keeping under, if you're keeping under, say, three to four serves of soy a day, your phytoestrogen intake is going to be around the 50 to 75 milligram mark. It's going to be well under what we've seen as safe in studies. So yes, I would recommend not exceeding that four servings, five servings of soy a day at most. But to be honest, that's not just about the phytoestrogen content. That's just about you know, dietary diversity and how we should be aiming to get our protein and our other vitamins and minerals from a wide variety of not just soy-based sources so we can get all of the good stuff, right? So yes, pay attention to the servings of soy that you're having. It's still like like four servings of soy a day is, is, is pretty intense. So it's unlikely you're accidentally exceeding that. If you're not exceeding that, if you're including soy as part of a well-balanced diet and you've got everything else going on, it's an impact on fertility, sex hormones, and cancer risk appears to be null. If anything, it might be positive for a couple of those when you know we're looking at like fertility or cancer. Again, not hand on my heart saying it will improve those things, but you know the data is leaning that way. Um, and in terms on in terms of its ability to uh, whether it affects your ability to gain muscle or lose body fat, no, it does not. If anything, it might support muscle growth because it's a high-quality protein. So hopefully, oh, I did not put a single soy-based pun in this. That's a bit disappointing. I'll have to put it in the episode description. You can get all the soy-based puns there. Hopefully, this has helped um, provide a bit of clarity around soy um, and a bit of comfort um, so you know that you're not killing yourself or your children and giving everyone cancer and ruining everyone's fertility by responsibly consuming soy if you learned something from this i would love for you to take a photo put it up in your instagram stories and tag me so um, my ego can be stroked otherwise i'd also love if you would rate review subscribe all of the other things that i can't remember and i'll catch you next time